Good evening, guys. Uh, happy to be here tonight and uh, happy to be here with the full house tonight as well. Uh, we've got a nearly full outlaw residency, which is great because we're here to talk about one of our all-time favourite films. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember and possibly even attended yourself the For the Love of Horror event in 2019, uh, which hosted a lot of the uh, Lost Boys guests uh, that got us thinking about the movie and wanting to uh, explore the movie a bit more so we did that and as part of that today we are talking about the Lost Boys and how it's uh, influenced us and what we think of it so I'll just let the other outlaws introduce themselves. Uh, Scott? How's it going guys? Scott here. Alan. Very excited for this one. Hi guys, Alan. I hope you're all keeping well. And Alex and Queen. Afternoon, evening. <laughs> Hi, I'm Corinne, crazy person, new outlaw. Thanks for having me. And I'm Colin, I don't know, I think I mentioned that, but I mentioned that again. So, yeah, uh, The Lost Boys, uh, obviously a great 80s uh, vampire film from Joel Schumacher, uh, starring, among others, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, set in a fictional town, Santa Carla, uh, which is a hive of vampire activity. Uh, Anybody want to kick off just by letting us know when they saw it, what they thought of it? And... Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to let the two newbies start with this one. I think the newbies should yeah, 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 I agree. So, go on, Alex. <laughs> Only because you said you were going to shake your head at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> no, I'm... I watched it years and years ago and kind of forgot all about it. So when you guys said, we're going to do a review on this, it was like, Amazon, buy, right, disc and drive, night before. <laughs> so we were watching it last night. You were obsessed with the dogs. Oh, my God, the dogs are so cute. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's film. great seeing like, films like that where you've got like named actors that are now and how young they look. And that, so I really enjoyed watching yeah. it. And that. Well, that's that's quite a good point because, of course, you've got you've got Alex Winter in there, and you can go and see him in the cinema now as Bill in um, Bill and Ted. So there's a yeah. good uh, transition for you, isn't there? Because he's uh, definitely you can see he's getting on in that film, even when they're not bounced around in in time. Yeah. So just last night, then, cool. That was good. It's a bit more recent than me. Uh, Alan, you're gonna. Let us in on some some of your experience. I can well, I can <clears throat> tell you that the, the one thing that jumps to my mind the most about Lost Boys is it was the first VHS that I ever purchased. It was the oh, first wow. film I ever brought, um, and I actually brought it by mistake because back in the day, I remember it really vividly. Um, everyone, everyone remember the old Woolworth shops that used to be around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woolworths were running an advert for new films that were they were just stocked up or something. And they were running an advert of the Lost Boys, but they were running it with Stand By Me. Oh. And, um, of course, it showed you a lot of clips of Stand By Me, which I actually thought was called the Lost Boys because they're out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so I convinced my mum to buy me the Lost Boys, thinking it was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah. And then absolutely like, wow, this isn't this, this isn't that. This is, yeah, this is pretty good. And then uh, suffered the wrath of my mum because obviously she lent it to, her friends who had kids to, <laughs> and that, you know, so, yeah. So that's kind of my first one. Is that yeah, not impressing my mum with uh, telling a lie, basically that it was not a vampire. Well, I didn't know, um, but yeah. Apart from that, being suitably surprised by it, you know, being you know, 
you look at it now, like you said, it's it's really eighties. It's it's just got that kind of nostalgia to it when you watch it back. Um, and it's it's just a good story, really. I mean, I mean, I don't know if you guys kind of um, agreed. Uh, sort of when you watch it now these days, it kind of seems a little bit disjointed in in places. But I don't know whether that's just me growing up and watching it or. If that was just, you know, the kid in me that was just like, wow, this is vampire, this is gore, <laughs> this is, you know, blood and melting people everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think it's just like you work in the industry as well, don't you? You do like filmmaking and stuff and obviously you're a writer. So having experience in that and you look watching that film back, it's like, oh, yeah, how things were different and stuff. Yeah, I think sometimes, yeah, um, definitely right. Because you do, even if you try not to, you want to go, you want to watch a film. Sometimes you pick up on stuff that you would be looking at as a you know as a producer or yeah. writer or something like that you know Always. and sometimes it's really hard to switch off but but no i mean in general you know the, the film itself is is it's it's an 80s classic it's a classic of horror anyway um it's iconic you know you look at the big hair just that picture behind you colin you know the the perms yeah. the, you know the big hair the you know the outfits and everything the it's mullets. just the mullets yeah it's you know even oh what's his name um sam you know with his uh cardigan stroke coat things that are all neon and bloody you yeah. know weird patterns and stuff you know it's just very much a you know a film of its time i think and uh, it really captured it well and uh, to be honest with you that's that's kind of what i get when i whenever i watch it these days it's just that that feel of the 80s that feel of those horror films from from that sort of time period yeah i think i agree with that for me i loved the look of them i like the look of each individual vampire because they're almost different in their own way yeah, so the thing that I like about the uh, the Lost Boys is the the way they look, their their sort of like <clears throat> image, because uh, it kind of brings home to me because I was brought up with like all the bikers and stuff like that around like the eighties and nineties. So I was already being brought up around people wearing leather and long hair, and it kind of felt like home to me watching it. And I was I when I was younger, I'd also kind of imaged some people was, was could he have been a vampire? No, you know what I mean, like people like my mum's friends and all that. Like, so yeah, so I, I I fucking loved that. Uh, me and my friend actually, uh, Lee uh, Lee Dara, um, one summer during school, I can't remember if it was the year from say year two to year three or year three to year four, but we watched it every single day in the summer in the morning before we went out and played every single day. And um, obviously we had Tim on the other day, and um, I messaged him the little clip of it saying, if you'd have told thirteen year old me that one day that I'm going to be sat here talking to Tim Cabello about the Lost Boys and that kind of stuff, I'd have, you'd have told me to fucking shut up. And there we go, it's actually happened. And it's just crazy how the world spins round, to be fair. But yeah, the characters. <clears throat> you know, you've got two noobs, two newbie guys. You've got uh, Michael and uh, Sam going to a new town, yeah. new city, new whatever. You know, not fitting in. Sam kind of fits in because he's, he's weird and quirky, but Michael doesn't. He's kind of an awkward sort of like social... You know, outcast. Yeah, sort of yeah. thing. I try to figure find the word then, but yeah, I was almost like a social outcast. But he finds his place, um, and I like the fact that everyone thinks that Sam's full of shit because of um, obviously he's a massive co- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he's a massive comic book nerd. And again, I can relate to that because obviously I, I used to be a comic book nerd myself, so I understand <laughs> that people think you're full of shit when you get into the comics, don't you? You really get into it. So yeah, I, I do. I do relate to this film a lot. I love it. The characters, fantastic. Tim Capello, even though he's in it for 30, 40 seconds, and he's in it quite early on in the film, within the first 15 minutes of the film, but it's just 
it kind of sets the standard to how the rest of the film's going to play out. It's, I think with that with that music part, that music bit, that gig wasn't in it. I don't think the film would have sort of like unraveled as well as it did. It's it's a major point, isn't it? Because it's where um, they they he first Michael first meets Star, isn't it? So it's that's kind of the main part. That's the main story of the mm. film, isn't it? Is that that's relationship? Yeah. You know. So yeah, like I said, without that concert, um, you know, I can't imagine. And if they'd bumped into each other in a cafe or somewhere, they really wouldn't have had the same sort yeah. of uh, so effect. Pur- purposely attracting him, wasn't she? Yeah, I think once if, if somebody was staring at me like that during a gig, I'd be like, "What do you want?" <laughs> like, little fingers up, stop yeah. staring at me, you massive freak. <laughs> 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 I'll see the game. Like, oh, it's there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But it's just the, the, I love the comedy element of it as well with Sam noticing, and then you know he's he's noticing that Mike, you know Michael isn't paying attention, so he's like slapping him on the face and trying to get him to yeah. around and face mm. the music again, and he just won't have it, you know. But yeah, I think um, I think we, I think you're right on that with Connor. I never really looked at it before because it's it's after that, isn't it? The next night when she actually approaches him on the pier, you know. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, it's a good spot. But saying that, though, the film's full of mind manipulation, though, because that bit's where even in the shadows and stuff like that, you hear David speaking, but, like, quietly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's getting people's attention. Even though there's a load of shit going on, you hear just David's voice. And also the same facts as well, when he turns around and says to Star, and he goes, where are you going, Star? And she goes, I'm going to go for this, and Malcolm, I'm going to go for a ride. And then he just says, Star, and then he, she knows, and she just gets on the bike without thinking nothing of it and fucks off. Yeah. Adam, like, you cock-blocky motherfucker. I, I'd have been getting on that bike and chasing him myself. And going, hey, man, I got him, what are you doing? This is not. This is the bow cold, mate. You're fucking this up, what are you doing? That's what I would have done, but... Yeah. <laughs> it just... <laughs> Definitely one way of uh, yeah of thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. I think for me, why why it stands out for me is because it's easy, uh, you know, when you first think about it to just think, oh, it's just an eighties vampire horror movie. But to me, once you start looking at it, you look at this cast, and this the cast is just amazing. I mean, you've got Diane Weist, two-time Oscar winner. Keith Sutherland, obviously, huge star. Corey Feldman, massive. That kind of time. I mean, it's just how they got together that cast, really, for that sort of film. Is I think it's just is a kind of, you know, testament to the story and how great it is and what, you know, a great film they wanted to actually put together and did. I, you know, I, that just always gets me going with that because it's easy for 80s horrors just to sort of say, oh, yeah, it's a B-movie or, you know, the acting's like... Rubbish, but here you can't do that. It's it's great and it really helps. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at it as well, I mean, it's not just. I mean, you look at what those guys achieved in the eighties as well, because you know Kiefer Sutherland, you know, just what we were just talking about, you know, prior to that, you know, he you know creating Stand by Me, and then he he was kind of like Young Guns and all that, you know, these really really top flatliners, sort of yeah, flatliners, you know, Corey Feldman. I mean, this is one thing I can never understand. He was the Goonies before this, or was it was it after? Because I always thought that, yeah, because there was isn't there some sort of uh, dis- description uh, a confusion with like wasn't it filmed in eighty four and released in eighty seven Lost Boys or something like that? Um, I can't. Yeah, there's, there's something, but it, it always kind of you know confuses me with with that sort of side. I don't know what cut out, but generally you know you had Corey Feldman in there who again was um, you know an 
almost like an 80s icon. He, he was uh, he was very much top of his game in the 80s. Everybody knew him and that. And obviously you had Alex Winter, you know, went on to be Bill. Mm. Um, you know, and what's her name? Uh, uh, Star, she was actually quite prominent as well. And Jason Patrick was. I mean, Jason Patrick came more to prominence in the 90s. But, you know, uh, what's her name? Was it Jamie Jim Gertz. Jim yeah. Gertz, yeah. There's an interesting yeah. story about her. I was watching some uh, uh, a bit of a making of dog, and they interviewed Joel Schumacher quite a lot, which is obviously kind of poignant now because because of his recent passing. And it's really uh, at the time Jamie was uh, doing a theatre production with with Jason, who uh, had already been cast, and he was looking mm-hmm. to recommend her for a part. And it's uh, strange because Joel says when he wrote the part of Star. It was like a sort of kind of blonde surfer nymph, like a blonde surfer babe, sort of really skinny, you know, really like bleach blonde and, and all this. And and when Jamie came in, he was apparently happy to just literally rewrite everything because she was just so so great for that part. So that that's actually they got even to sort of turn things on their head to get a good cast, which I think really makes a difference, you know. Uh, so that's interesting. I'm, I was just looking. I was just skimming. Uh, Mr. Fellman's filmography, uh, and I think you might be right, Alan. I think there's some uh issue about so the Lost Boys is 87, which is after uh Stand By Me, uh, whether it was filmed around the same time or not, I'm not sure, but definitely after. Uh, but still, I mean, he was doing some really good work around then as well. You know, he was also in Gremlins, had a little bit in uh, you know, Gremlins, which was good. Uh, Friday so the 13th, Friday the 13th, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So some really good stuff going on there at the time. That's why I'm so in awe of this cast for this sort of film, because I think they were really doing some really good work and went on to do some really good work. I mean, we all know Kiefer Sutherland went on to do some really great stuff. Uh, they all did, you know, it was really good. So I think I was going to ask you guys about your favourite scenes. And I'm happy to go around the room, but I'll start with Scott. What's your, your favourite favourite scene, if you could pick such a... <clears throat> Such a bit. I think it'd be probably the bit with the uh, where they kill Marco, no Bill, um, Alex Winter's character. Because mm. <clears throat> um, yeah. I just think it's, <laughs> I just think it's a great scene because obviously he just freaks out. I mean, <laughs> he just he just saw that from asleep into fucking out. What the fuck? <laughs> but with all that blood that's going out, I mean, we was at the flow of horror, and there was mentioning that they put loads of glitter in the blood to make it get that sort of like uh, the the PG-13, 15s rating, so to speak, and not get the 18s or whatever. Yeah, or whatever it is over there, yeah. yeah. Glitter makes everything so much calmer and sensible. Probably probably the birth of the original glittery vampire, weren't it, to be fair, but we won't get down that, we won't we'll talk about that way about good food. <laughs> But yeah, um, <clears throat> but yes, I, I think that's probably my favorite film, uh, f- favorite part of the film. Uh, just it kind of it, it's when they close the book on that part. Now they know that it's game over. They've got to go through with what they planned once the, the second that snake went right through his heart. That was it. They have to go through with what they what they planned really. Yeah, no, there's no going back after that, is there? You're that's right. it. Yeah, Alan, favorite scene. I've got I've got two. I mean, um, visually, my favourite scene is the one when they're on the motorbike race and they're at the front of the bikes and then they pull back and it kind of looks like the bikes are floating off in the distance, but actually it's the camera pulling back and then you get to the lighthouse 
I think that's a really, you know, really like that that scene. Um, that's one that always sticks with me. But I think my my favourite scene is, I think really for the comedy value has got to be when uh, they're in the house at the end and you know the Frog Brothers are about to get it from is it is Paul, isn't it? The the blonde, yeah. the blonde vampire. Yeah. And you know they completely freak out. They you know all the way through the film they've been these kind of like. Uh, you know the go-to they're the knowledge on vampires they're the vampire hunters and then suddenly they get encountered with a vampire and they just freak out and they fall on the bathroom floor and they're screaming <laughs> and, you know, and hugging each other and they have to rely on a dog to come and save them do you know what i mean <laughs> that, that that i think that that for me was was you know my favorite one of my favorite scenes and yeah i, I don't i don't i don't think i could really narrow it down to one favorite as such with this i mean because visually there's quite a lot you know and especially being like a you know, you guys know me. I do a lot of painting and stuff. And if you know, if I ever choose something from the Lost Boys, it's visually there's so much things you could do with it. Just you know, you know, from the fairground at the beginning, that's a really nice scene, sort of you know, panning into. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's quite prominent in storytelling as well because whenever anything major happens, you kind of cut back to the to those sort of scenes for a, a second or so, just the you know the the roller coaster, whether it's during the day or during the night or anything, and it's kind of almost sets the tone that that's the next act, if that makes sense. You know, that's coming yeah. into play. But no, I mean, I've, I have to say, off the top of my head, those those have always been like you know my two sort of favorite favorite parts in that film. I do have one more. Um, it's that bit you know, just before uh, David and Michael's fight in the house, and David's in the shadows up in the roof, sort of thing, and he keeps mm-hmm. coming down and twats David every now and then. And that it's just that little bit of dialogue between them both where he goes. I tried to make you immortal, and he goes, you tried to make me a killer, and he comes back and twats him, goes yeah. back up into the shadows, and then you just see his face come out of the shadows and says, you are a killer, then he turns into the vampire, and then they go at each other. That's a really cool <laughs> fucking That is cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, yeah. No, that's good. Go on, Corey. So mine is, just because I like like to see how they film stuff, um, you know, when they're hanging under the rails. And, um, oh, and yeah. Crazy. And you can tell they're just, like, moving their arms like this. <laughs> <laughs> sequence with the fairground and you can tell that it because in the 80s it was helicopters with cameras on them rather than nowadays you use a drone and it's like the whole technique of then using that kind of camera angle to do the vampire swooping in and stuff so from a visual point of view I really like that and like seeing potentially how they did it with with a helicopter and I know when I watch other films, it's like um, seeing how they try not to get to the shadow of the helicopter into the shot as well. Yeah. And then the other ones are the bit um, where Michael's in the cave with David and everyone, and it it's passing David's blood in a wine bottle, and they're playing mind <laughs> tricks on him by yeah. giving him the Chinese oh, and yeah. the maggots in there. Yeah, and okay. then, the words and stuff. Could like a billion that. people be wrong, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> Love the soundtrack to it as well. The music yes. is 
I was going to go on to that a bit later. Yeah, the soundtrack yeah. is amazing. I think for me, there are, I, I was going to pinch two as well, and it's around lines in the film because I think mean, there's some great lines in the film, and, and the uh, the first one, Alex, you kind of pinched, but I'll just go over it again. Yeah, when they're when they're like playing those mind games with him, and they give him his. Chinese and it's rice, but then it becomes maggots, and then it goes back to rice again. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on, whether he's high on your mushrooms, whether these guys are actually magic <laughs> vampires or what the hell. And yeah, the way Carnaby just says, You're reading maggots, Michael. It's maggots, you know, it's just brilliant. And then the other one, and it's a, similar to where Alan kind of came in, because it's in the house and it's with the Fog Brothers. And I'll be honest, I can't remember which one delivers. The line, but to me, it's the best line of the whole film. Where uh, I think it's Charlie is the kid zombie, zombie vampire. He's uh, coming to attack him. One of them says, "Holy shit, it's the attack of Eddie Munster!" And that just yeah, cracks yeah. me up every time. <laughs> I just love that line. I, I can't hear it enough, and I just yeah. fall about laughing so much because it's a comedy I, I, as well. I think we forget it's a comedy as well. Yeah, you know? there's some yeah. really good funny moments in it and that's one of them really good i'll I'll tell you what one of um the the comedy bit element that really that always makes me laugh whenever i watch it it kind of reminds me that you know when you get sucked into this film you could you know you kind of look at these characters and that bit the the one line that makes me kind of remember that um sam and michael are are, are kids really it's like you know when sam finds out that michael's a vampire and and he's like god damn it michael you're you're a goddamn shit-sucking vampire just wait until mum finds out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it always makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. that is good. You know, I, I do like that as well. Yeah, and I, and I like the uh, the grandpa character. He's well because he don't take no shit. You know, oh, <laughs> brilliant. When he gets him. in the car and he's getting him all set up to get in the car and go to town, he's like, "Right, let's get out now." We never yes. never goes anywhere. Yeah. Driving this. <laughs> We literally said that first. We're like, no, we're not going out anymore. We've been out. We've got to the car. We'll come back in now. <laughs> the other bit with um, the grandpa is the, the, ve- end. the very end where he just drives through the wall. Oh, yeah. And he just gets out the car and just literally this town has too many vampires. <laughs> yeah, goes to the fridge, doesn't he? Yeah. He has some good one-liners himself, though, doesn't he? Because he turns around and says, if all the corpses buried around here stand up at once, we'll have one hell of a population problem. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some pretty good lines, to be fair. He's, he's good all the way through the film, because when they yeah. first move in with him, he's laying down all the laws, he opens up his bit of the freezer. You don't take anything from this bit of the freezer. This is my, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just not giving them any leeway whatsoever. So he's good, yeah. Then it's, it's, it's a really, it's, it's, it's all a good film. Uh, the whole thing is, is, is really good. But yeah, I, I think it was, Corey, you mentioned this, the... Uh, soundtrack which is which is brilliant again uh so if you want to, if you guys want to mention your highlights of the soundtrack what if there is one bit you would pick Scott? the, the soundtrack is almost a character within itself to be fair because it can it's a huge part of the film for mm. atmospherics especially the bit with the um the g tom mac song where not the first time at the beginning of the film because obviously it's the second time it plays where he's going where michael's in the uh cave looking for star yeah it kind of just it it symbolizes what people go through when they 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 getting involved, um, <laughs> you know, because uh, <laughs> when he goes into the clouds, it's just like yeah, there we go. <laughs> so it's it's again the soundtrack is almost a character in itself. It plays a huge part, mm. huge role. <laughs> Alan. Yeah, I mean, I I was one of those um, that as soon as I 
sort of brought a CD player. Um, you know, the soundtrack was something that I sought out. Um, I've had it for, uh, you know, even on my i play now. Um, I've had it for a lot. You know, since 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 the you know since Apple since I've had Apple really. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me the standout. I mean, I really love People Are Strange by Echo and the Bunnymen. I think that's such a great little yeah. song. Um, but like you said, the G Mac, you know, that's iconic. You know, everybody knows that song. Everybody knows what film it's from. Um, and Tim Capello, I'm going to sh- shout. You know, he friended fa- friended the uh, the podcast and that. Um, again, that's and, and when you listen to it in, in its entirety, it's just a good song. You know, mm. it's such a good song. It's really difficult to kind of pinpoint something on the soundtrack that doesn't fit with the film, and that's testament to to the director and the sound engineers and 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 the produ- production company and everything that they could kind of nail it as well as what they did when it came to soundtrack so yeah just i guess stuff i can't say anything but too bad about that to be honest with you alex green i was gonna say i feel like they really thought outside the box about the soundtrack as well because usually like people just put like really dramatic music over the top and because they use like the cry little sister song it's it just they've thought outside the box it's really good i love it so even the placements as well where they put the um songs because there's a Fucking, there's a shitty song in it. It's one of the worst ones, but I guess it's more atmospheric. It's one that that beauty has his way. I think it's Mummy's Call or Mummy Call who does it. But it's a, it's quite heavy on the uh, so like the the keyboard, the synthesizer. And it's the bit where um, do you know where they're going for a bike ride and they could they walk away from sort of like the the fairground. It's where Michael and Star walking towards the bike. It's that bit where Dave comes in and cock blocks him. <laughs> it's that bit of sort of like where he's getting on the back it's kind of got that sort of like music in the background that's the actual song now the full song as a whole is well it's it's not that great but nice but it, the, the the part of the song that they use for the film it fits perfectly again echoing the fact that I said it's it almost feels like a, a the film like an actor in its own right but it's, it's called the placements the product that know where they do it it's it's very, 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 very cool. I wish that I had the smarts to be able to do stuff like that myself because it it just fills empty parts, even if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right when you say it's like another character of the film and you, you can't imagine the film without that or any different soundtrack or score. It just, it just wouldn't work. So that's why well, I think it is testament to, to every piece of it. It just works. And, and that's, yeah, if you could do that, we'd be all making a lot more money, I um, guess. Yeah, can I can I just say on as we're like talking about sounds and stuff? I mean, what did you guys think to like the signature sound of the uh, the actual you know the vampires when they're flying? That kind of like that fluttering kind of it's almost like a classic vampire sound kind of sound. You know that you know for me kind of takes me back to you know their roots are still are in like the classic genre if that makes sense. You know you know because you 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 can see it's it's the scenes when you you're looking at from the vampire's point of view. And you can, you know, you hear them laughing and talking and stuff. But there's just the sound effects that accompany that as well. Just really give it that kind of that horror sound, if that makes sense. Well, the you know almost I mean? bat-like sound. That you yeah, 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 yes, yeah. It's, it's that's cool. You know, and that's just, you know, that's just something little that just builds up that atmosphere. You know, it's kind of like I, was, I mean, I always looked at that sort of part of it as, you know, you look at Jaws and you only ever get the the full Jaws music when the shark's around. You know, and you only ever get those kind of noises and the fluttering and the bat sort of sounds when they're actually in, you know, in what you'd say full vampire mode. So you know something's going to happen. You know, 
so yeah i kind of like that i always kind of looked at that as like a coda for the for the vampires you know that was announcing that they were coming you know as as anybody i mean this that changed up my massive now has anybody seen the sequels i've got them and i was actually going to ask you guys whether you'd seen them <laughs> yeah I think for me, they fall in that category of like once years ago for the second one. I don't think I've seen the third one. Yeah, see, I I, I, I picked the second one up um, just off the whim. I didn't even know it was even coming out. I was just in the, the, the DVD store and it was there. I thought, oh, I love, I love that. So like four or five pounds. But yeah, I picked it up and watched it and I, was, I weren't impressed. I mean, it was cool that Tom Savini was in it briefly. He gets his head chopped off. And yeah, well, it's not the first time he's played a vampire. But... <laughs> But yeah, so is it a good follow-up? No. I like the fact that they had a Corey Feldman and Corey Haim in it as well, but Corey Haim was at the end. I, do, I think he was only in there due to the fact that I think Corey Feldman pleaded to the director and the writers just to do him a part or something. I don't know, but I don't know what the story is behind that is, but they did that. But then the third one, I've seen the third one. Unfortunately, I've seen the third one. <laughs> it is a massive unfortunately because it's, it's pretty bad. But it's the thing that I didn't like about it. It kind of ruins the whole story now to the Lost Boys, even the first one as well, even the film that we're talking about now. Because James Newlander's character, Alan Frog, apparently now he has always been a vampire. But he's been a, he was like an emperor vampire, like the the, the big one, the Don. You know what I mean? Don Colleone's vampire. Yeah, he's a big man. And. And I thought that was a really weak sort of like ending. The fact that he was just coming down, I thought, oh, fuck off! I can't believe you've done that. You've you've made a, a a nice, cool character into some fucking douchey version of. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't buy into it, and that's why the third film to me doesn't even exist. Second film for that matter as well. The same. It, the, they didn't need sequels. The Lost yeah. Boys ended perfectly it didn't need a sequel and we got a sequel and we got what we didn't deserve if that makes sense mm. are, they, are they both sitting in Santa Carlo is, is it in the same place I'm trying to remember I can't remember honestly I, it doesn't mention it, it doesn't <laughs> uh, yeah and I think it's one of them who cares as well yeah. because it doesn't really draw onto anything it, the only th- I think the only thing that this is the same is the guy who plays the main vampire or David's character, if you will, in the second one is played by Kiefer's son. So, uh, actual real life son. So, I don't know why. I don't know why. That's just a fucking clusterfuck, that film, to be honest with you. Both of them <laughs> the easy way to explain this, I, I've always known about Lost Boys. It wasn't until I ordered Lost Boys on Amazon that I realised there was there's two sequels. Yeah. That's it. It's. The, the crap, that's why. And a lot of people, it's 2010, it's not even that old, yeah, really. So, so the discs I have will be good tea cosies, though. <laughs> yeah. That's why a lot of people say Lost Boys and then that's it, there's no more. I mean, I heard a rumour that Joel Schumacher was supposed to have been doing one quite shortly after it with, instead of it being were- vampires, it was supposed to have been werewolves. Now, that would have been cool. They'd have done that around 89, 90. That would have been pretty cool. The same sort of atmosphere would have been pretty, pretty good. But I can't, I can't see, um, I can't see that happening now. You know, it's a shame, yeah, really. It's a shame because I think that would have been a good one. So yeah, so on that note, I can't. I think we should end this one up now because it's getting close to the end of time. Yeah, well, I was just going to uh, give us one last chance to each just say something about the film if we wanted to, uh, just to round it all off. 
Uh, and Lennon, do you want to leave us with your final Lost Boy thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one that sits in my collection. It's one that, you know, I don't go back to it as, you know, regular as probably what some of you guys do, but, but you know, it's one that I'm still entertained by this day that I'll still watch um, and, and still like, you know, and it's one that still inspires me. You know, I'm still, you know, um, like I said earlier on, I'm looking at doing a, a painting, a Lost Boys painting. Um, so I will be watching it again soon to just sort of get some visual ideas, you know. So, yeah, it's a good one for me. It's always it's going to be in my top 10 um, horror. Um, uh, yeah, I can't say much more than that. It is just such, such a good film. Alex Green, just the last final thoughts. Dogs are cute as hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they didn't get it because <laughs> yeah, usually every time I watch a film, the animal dies like straight away, and it's really upsetting. Oh. I think yeah, for me, my last comment's going to be like, I really enjoyed the the way they actually introduced the vampires, how they like stick to kind of the history of vampires like they can't enter the building unless they're invited and yeah. stuff like that they that it's where you watch modern films and they just throw everything straight in within mm. five minutes they build all that up throughout the whole film and it's amazing it's almost like sorry i just jump in it's almost like you know back in the day it was a modern take on classic horror if that makes sense mm. yeah so you know and, and that for me is, is a huge you know i'll tip my hat to anyone that does that because i'm such a fan of, of classic horror and, and and rules and all that so yeah well, well pointed out alex yeah that's a good point i think i'd just point out that you know for me it's it's just got that 80s classic horror niche to it and it's a great vampire flick uh, for me, it always reminds me of some of that it, it, I think it must have came out around the same time as uh, Fight Night. And I just think to have those two, you know, as a good horror double bill, you can't go wrong. And I, I might even do that later. I might even have a little bit of a vampire double bill and, and go through those two again because they're really good. And like Alan, yeah, Lost Boy certainly sitting in there in the top 10 somewhere uh, and never ages i think that's a good thing about it as well although we've we've kind of drawn on it being an 80s film quite a lot and that's why it's good it's, it's not aged really that well either i mean it's not sorry it's aged well uh which i think also helps uh but yeah that was that that, that was my my final thoughts scott you got anything it's just the best vampire film ever made this is simple as that there you go i mean <clears throat> okay honorable mentions friday night great Great, 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 great 80s vampire film and Interview with the Vampire, fantastic yeah. 90s film. Those three vampire films is all you need. It's all you need. You get them, you get everything. Job <laughs> all done. All the rest of them crap. <laughs> well, well, on that bombshell of you only needing three vampire films in your entire collection, which I'm sure could stir up some debate, I shall uh, leave it there. And, uh, guys, all I can say is thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this particular podcast. Uh Please like the video below, uh, and if you don't, please do subscribe for more of this great content. Also hit notifications to get the latest uh, uploads from us, because we've got good stuff coming out all throughout October and beyond. Uh, and we're across all the social media platforms, so hit up Horror Outlaws or Outlaws of Horror, and you'll get us on all the various platforms there as well. Uh, and on that note, I shall say, uh, have a good evening. Outlaws out.